electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people make friends? I'm just trying to make you money. My job is not just to entertain, but educate, teach, put in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Look, I'm, I'm trying to be Jimmy Chill. But I keep seeing people saying the dumbest things, and it is beginning to drive me nuts! This morning, it was some, cla- some analyst talking about how you can track every move in this market by watching the Fed and the money supply. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Tears of a clown. After a sedate day where the Dow edged up 39 points, this will be gained 0.22%, record close. NASDAQ advanced 0.15%, also do not a record close. This whole notion of the Fed as Grand Inquisitor is so out of touch with reality, with, with the trench warfare of the moment. You know what? Makes me want to gag. You don't want to see that. Forget the big picture stuff. There are two things you need to keep track of when you're picking stocks right now. The sector and the company, which includes the people running it. You want sectors that are in bull market mode. And while following the Fed can help, it's telling you a small portion of the story. You want to stay away from underperforming groups and battlegrounds and just go with what is working. Bye, bye, bye. So let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to apply this two-pronged test with some examples which can make you some money. Start with the semiconductor stocks. They are in raging bull mode. Now, there's a host of great ones to choose from. I'm not going to fight any of them. I think NXP, that's for autos, the dominant, dominant maker for what we need in these cars that's so uh, in demand. Qualcomm, guts of the cell phone. Marvell Tech for 5G and high-performance computing. They call it HPC. But I prefer AMD and NVIDIA because they make incredible products and they have fabulous leadership. And at AMD, Lisa Su is closing in on the biggest deal of her life, the Xilinx acquisition, which will help the company diversify away from just gaming and computers. That way, AMD will no longer get dragged down every time Intel says something negative about the CPU business, even when it only seems to be raining on 
Intel side of the street. As for NVIDIA, I like to call CEO Jensen Wong a modern da Vinci because he is a renaissance man, a painter, a draftsman, a scientist, an engineer, and an architect. The only differences are that da Vinci never wore a cool motorcycle jacket and Jensen never stole cadavers to study anatomy, as far as I know. As I told members of the ActionAlertsPlus.com club on our monthly call today, if NVIDIA can purchase uh, this arm holdings, if it can close on it, it will become the most important semiconductor company of our time. It's already pretty close. Did you notice that the government's using chips from AMD and NVIDIA for its supercomputer as it awaits Intel's delayed product? Doesn't that say it all? Next up, housing's in bull market mode. Boy, isn't that incredible at this stage of the, of the cycle? Uh, because there's so much demand from millennials and from hybrid workers moving to the suburbs. More demand than the home builders can ever meet. I know the group trades on interest rates, but longer term, it will trade on the demand for homes in a country that's been underbuilding for a decade. The home builders with land, the bass land, like Lenar, and more important, Toll Brothers, which is on tonight. That's how you pick a long-term winner. They need the land. Third, what an incredible bull market for the financials. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, you name it. Did you see this trade today? They are trading like small caps when huge buyers come in all at once. Why? Because they're incredibly cheap, and they could be just a few months away from a new rate hike cycle. The banks buy back stock all the time, hand over fist. And why not? Relative to the rest of the market, their stocks represent the greatest bargains in these stocks these days. But look, it's easy to like Goldman Sachs, right, which trades their ridiculously low single-digit price earnings multiple. Get, I don't even understand that. Even, and that's even after its 56% run this year. Uh, crazy cheap. Same goes for J.P. Morgan, cheapest I've ever seen it relative to the group, up three and a quarter today. Hey, you know what? I say go with Morgan Stanley or Wells Fargo, the best and the worst. Morgan Stanley is not a bank anymore. It's a wealth advisory service that happens to do some investment banking on the side. That means it's bank light. I like that. Wells Fargo was so horrible, you have to wonder why the heck Warren Buffett stuck with it so long for, of course, selling near the bottom. These days, though, it's a turnaround story. I believe in the CEO, Charlie Scharf. He's tough as nails, and he's done playing defense by fixing everything from the board of directors to his direct reports. He's now on offense while buying back a massive amount of stock. One day, I expect Wells Fargo to return to the high 50s, where it was uh, when all hell broke loose. Until then, just stay the course. Fourth, I really like the bull market and retail survivors. Is it too late to buy something like Dick's Sporty Goods, which was up 130% for the year now? No, not. It's giving you a special dividend while you're laying out a multi-year strategy. And based on that plan, the stock is cheap. Still, I prefer Best Buy, which spent a fortune on digital and has a membership club that will take care of all your home office tech support needs. I'm also drawn to Bed Bath & Beyond. That's up 62% for the year because this is a turnaround story. And what I've seen from the looks of that flagship store in New York, oh, my, you're going to want to you're going to want to have a lot of these places. This coffee. They have all the tech you need in terms of shopping and buying. But uh, what they really have is something I like to call whimsy, something that you could only really find at Costco until recently. I think CEO Mark Tritton will take bed bath for a multi-year run. It's so galling to see that GameStop remains the most beloved stock among the memesters who want to bust the short sellers. Hey, listen, memesters, which I know you're glued to every minute because you keep making funny drawings of me that aren't that funny. GameStop only has an 11% short position. Bed Bath has a 22% short position, and they're all fat cat kleptocrats and plutocrats, and they hate you. Okay, how's that? You get it going? Maybe that's the problem. It's too good to be a meme stock. <laughs> Fifth, the most unknown bull market is agriculture. Anything ag from machinery to fertilizer. I've long been a fan of agco, but that deer conference call last week, magnifique. 
I scoffed at Kathy Wood, the best money manager of 2020, when she said she was buying gear for its tech. I owe her an apology. I apologize. She nailed it. The technology Deere talked about is truly revolutionary. It will save farmers billions of dollars in wages because everything's pretty autonomous. Deere still will buy. Finally, there's a bull market in what I'm calling responsible energy. Oil companies that have gotten disciplined about spending money while also being a lot more eco-friendly than they used to be. If you want to buy Prudence, you buy Devon Energy or Pioneer Nat, natural resources with those nifty variable dividends, not to mention balance sheets that are the envy of the industry, even as Pioneer is a very smart acquirer. If you want an environmentally friendly oil stock, I, that's no longer an oxymoron because we've got Denbury. I am blown away by what they're doing with carbon capture. Get used to that term. We're going to adopt it. We know ExxonMobil has gotten religion on climate change after the those insurgents captured some board seats. Uh, you know what, guys, li- listen to me. Hey, Darren, you, you watch the show all the time. Just go buy Denbury, man. You're going to be a hero, all right? There, I said it. And that's even with Denbury up more than 170% year to date. I'd still be a buyer. Darren, you should be too. Darren, of course, I'm referring to the CEO of Exxon, who I am not on a first-name basis with, but he's a terrific guy from what I can tell, Darren Wood. The stock never should have been so low in the first place, and therefore I think, Darren, this is your chance, okay? Vindicated. You don't even have to... You do not even have to thank me. That's what's so great about being Jimmy Chill. The bottom line, you can listen to the Fed-obsessed experts and wait for the grand poobah to come from a virtual Mount Teton, uh, or, or you can forget about the money supply or the central bank and just run with the bulls. It's not like they're hard to find in this fabulous market. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. I don't think I can do it, right, because I'm not favor. Is it the hair? What is it? Manny in Florida, Manny. Jim, booyah, booyah. Booyah, booyah, booyah. I'll see you too, booyah, and raise your booyah. <laughs> Thanks for helping us all make some money, and uh, you're very entertained doing it. I mean, what oh. a show. Um, all right, hey, so you. Starbucks, the feel-good morning drug. All right, so yeah. I think well, this is a, the key in this business. Margins are great. They continue to beat earnings as a brick-and-mortar business. They prove, like, to do an outstanding job right through COVID, you know, and they even... I mean, it's come down in the past month, but yes. something you said brilliant last week, one of your segments, buy into companies that go through price increases, and it wouldn't matter. Starbucks can raise the prices tomorrow by 10%. Who would even blink? It's coffee. Nobody so would. Said, Nobody you, would. Yeah. Triple Vente Cappuccino with skin wet. I'm paying $5.54. Or I could pay $6.22. For I wouldn't even care. I think you're dead right. Starbucks at 115 is a buy. Right here, right now. Hey, no, the mark that down. Manny in Florida got horse sense. All right. Now, if you want to run with the bulls, you need to keep track of two things. When you're picking stocks right now, the sector and the individual company, meaning the person who runs it. You want to pick from sectors that are in bull market mode. And these stocks right here all fit the bill, especially Leonardo da Vinci. No, Jensen Wong. OK. On Man Money tonight, Salesforce reported after the bell. So could the force remain strong and admit the company's push to compete with the likes of Mr. Softy? Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO. Then in his latest earnings report, Toll Brothers proved that demand is still strong. So why don't we check in with the top brass over at that company? And uh, it, it's Snowflake. It delivered earnings tonight. Started, stock started lower. Then it started to levitate. And why not? Is Frank Slootman the best of the best? Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the better part of a year, Salesforce's stock was held down by arbitrage pressure in anticipation of the Slack acquisition. But that deal closed a month ago. Since then, the stock's already rallied 8%. Today, Salesforce reported a terrific quarter, a beat on every line with great guidance. So could this be the beginning of the next leg up for the stock? Let's check in with Mark Benioff, the founder, chair, and CEO of Salesforce, to find out what's ahead. Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's great to see you, and hello from Geneva, Switzerland. Geneva Swindle, I saw the European numbers. I like them very well. But you know what? I understand this to be your fifth, I'm quoting you, phenomenal quarter in a row. I want you to describe to me what the word phenomenal means. Well, Jim, I think Salesforce has transformed into a herd of unicorns. And we're just galloping through this global pandemic. And, you know, it's our new customer 360 uh, world that we're in. It's, It's really amazing what has happened. Well, this morning I'm reading about Ikea, one of my favorite stores, because my father loved those Swedish meatballs so much. And what I was struck by was that now you have a big customer win, Ikea. So I know everybody in the world knows Ikea. I always thought it had the best customer service, best retention. How do you take it up a notch with Salesforce? Well, you can see, Jim, this has just been a phenomenal quarter. Again, we just had incredible record revenue growth, but also look at this margin expansion. It's just amazing. And, you know, we we're more committed to expanding our margins than ever. And on top of that, we're continuing to deliver solid cash flow improvement. And it's really amazing. But let me tell you about IKEA for a second, because I do love Jesper, the CEO. It's a company that has gone through a huge transformation, digital transformation, like so many. You know, they want to have a success from anywhere world. They want to be able to sell from anywhere, service from anywhere, market from anywhere. And now with Slack, they can collaborate and share and they can do everything from anywhere. 
I'm glad you mentioned Slack, and I'm glad that you're in, your, in Europe to be able to test this. I, when I put on my Hewlett Packard, uh, what happens now comes up as teams. It's almost as if I have to have teams whether I want it or not. That is something that the, he, the CEO of Slack once told me he thought was wrong, which is why he's bringing antitrust suit in Europe. Is it time to drop the suit and let bygones be bygones? Well, why I'm so excited about Slack, Jim, is that it's our new user interface to all of our products. So when we get to Dreamforce, you're going to see a whole new version of our sales cloud, which is built with a Slack user interface and a new version of our service cloud and a new version of our marketing cloud and commerce cloud. And, you know, it's an amazing product. And you look at the, you know, millions of users that are on Slack and the transformations that they've made in the workplace. Well, that's accelerated during the pandemic. And as we've moved to success from anywhere, Slack has become more important than any time before. And now integrating with Salesforce, well, the, this is really the best of both worlds, these two things coming together. All right. Now, let's talk about giant deals, because I often feel that I don't get those until after the call. <laughs> but you must have won some uh, nine-figure deals with that, this kind of cash flow and these kinds of, or- these kind of orders. Let's hear it. Well, Jim, that's not true. We always talk about our customer success. It's the, my, the thing I love doing, and it's why I'm here in Europe, because I'm meeting with so many CEOs and you know, we're really back to work globally, and I, I'm excited to be back on the road and meeting with customers. And, and I'll tell you, Jim, one of those exciting stories is really Dave McKay at RBC in Canada. Now, you can see that we have won a massive transaction there, but it's really all about have, giving him and his company the ability to automate with our financial services cloud. He's completely built RBC, not just through acquisitions, but now with this new technology harness. And uh, we're, we're an excited uh, to be very much a strategic part of that and to help automate his sales organization and his service organization. And again, helping them to be successful from anywhere. It's a, it's a great story. Now, uh, I do think that the banks are badly in need, uh, but I'm not sure. Are there any banks left now? I mean, almost every bank I deal with tells me that they use Salesforce. We are doing just fine in financial services, Jim, and it's been amazing. But I'll tell you another great customer story because I know you love customer stories. Well, Miller, <laughs> Herman Miller, well, the company I grew up with is now known as uh, Miller Knoll. And Miller Knoll is another amazing story where we have rebuilt them for this new all digital world. And that includes our commerce cloud, where they want to sell all these incredible products they have. I use so many of them myself, you know, right online. Now, last quarter, remember, we talked about Sonos and mm-hmm. how we've transformed Sonos. Well, now you can see in the, with commerce, we're able to transform Miller Nolan and take this incredible company, but make sure that they can be successful from anywhere. I've been recommending well. that stuff again, because of again, the direct to class. consumer. They did not have direct to but consumer that, until Herman Miller did not have direct consumer until you. That's I right. got one for my, uh, for right. my wedding, Mark. It was a pretty darn good present. <laughs> and I want to go online to get others, but now maybe I can because of you. I want you to talk about something you've, that you haven't talked much about that is incredible. I was with someone who does venture capital. I said, who is the best, best venture capitalist in the world? Which of all these companies? And they said, that's easy. <laughs> Salesforce Ventures. How much of it is yeah. you just knowing what the future is? Well, Jim, we have been very fortunate to have some great relationships with CEOs who are building their businesses and going public. And you know, like, we're, look, we've been about building an industry, not just a company. Right. You know that. And yes, great companies like Zoom and great companies like Snowflake, but a lot of other great companies, too. Some that you hear about, some that you know, like Encino, for example, or 
or, you know, all these great SaaS companies, we're, we're trying to be a part of everybody's ecosystem. Yeah, I, and that's been and an incredible learning. part of what we've Startup, done. Startup, Encino, these are really what's going to make our banking triumphant. Our banking's been left behind. But those, the people who run Encino and Startup, that, those, are, those are two of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Well, you're, you're right that Salesforce Ventures is probably the number one venture capital company in Silicon Valley, certainly in cloud computing. And the other thing that's been really cool is we've been able to, you know, manage that, but also make sure that it's the right for our, for our investors. You know, we're, we're more focused on our margins than ever as well. You probably saw that we delivered outstanding margin performance this quarter and even three out of the last five quarters, yes. we've delivered more than 20% margin. And, you know, we're giving this acquisition momentum that we've had a bit of a rest so that we can really focus on these acquisitions and and then deliver this incredible growth and capability. And you can see it now in these amazing numbers. We just raised, Jim, for the year $300 million to $26.3 billion. That's going to be an incredible year. But it's not just about the absolute number. It's about the growth rate as well. It's been awesome. And not just in revenue, but in margin and in cash flow and in every key metric that really indicates this is a very successful no, company. It is. It's true. It's really a herd of unicorns. I know. Now, one last thing. You, you have not been able to solve the pandemic, although you probably try more than anybody else in the, in the, in the country of the world. Uh, Delta, uh, back to work, not back to work, uh, central office, stay at home, uh, dream force, no dream force. It's a tale of two cities. You know, I was in San Francisco yesterday. I'm in Geneva, Switzerland today. Um, I was with my customers in San Francisco yesterday, and I legally have to wear a mask. I can't really open my office. Things are really closed down. Very worried about the pandemic in Delta. I'm in, I'm in Geneva today. There's no mask. It's a free-for-all. Everyone's meeting with everybody, and they're not as concerned about the pandemic. For them, this is a new world. Now, a lot of things have changed for our customers in this new world, whether it's Europe or the United States. And one of them is really return to work. And the phenomenon that I see happening globally is not as many employees are coming back into their offices globally as any CEO expected. And you're really starting to see some very low attendance numbers in offices because employees are so productive at home. So they can do their, they can do their job at home. They can be successful from anywhere. The companies and our customers are successful. It's, it's incredible. But the way they're being successful has completely changed. And so the pandemic is a tale of two cities, but the new normal is not. We're starting to see you know, this new normal appear and business is going to be quite different as we come into this new world. Well, you're way ahead of it. Congratulations. Just an amazing quarter. I know there'll be naysayers. Those naysayers are obviously, as we as we know, since 2008, <laughs> been dead wrong. Mark Benioff, Salesforce founder, Thank you, Jim chair Kramer. and CEO. Thank you. Stay, stay healthy, my friend. Too. Stay healthy. Look, you know the pattern here. The stock opens up big on the great number. Then the naysayers come in and they take it down, and that's when you and I pounce, man, money's back into the break. Coming up, how to pay the toll to get on a roll. Kramer's got the interior scoop on home building when he sits down with Toll Brothers. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Right now, the home builders all have a high-quality problem. Demand for single-family housing is surging, but they can't build enough new ones to keep up. I call that a high-quality problem because it means they can pretty much charge what the market can bear, which is much higher than it used to be. Take Kramer Fave Toll Brothers, the high-end home builder that reported an excellent quarter last night. Although Toll built fewer homes than expected, their average selling prices and gross margins were much stronger than anticipated, which translated into a 33-cent earnings beat off a $1.54 basis. Even better, all the forward-looking metrics contracted homes, net signed contract value, backlog, record levels. That means this fundamental imbalance between supply and demand is here to stay. Toll jumped more than 4% today. I think it's got a lot more upside. Let's take a closer look with Doug Yearly, the chairman and CEO of Toll Brothers, to learn more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Yearly, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Great to be here. Nice to see you. Oh, same, Doug. You know, Doug, I'm trying, I'm beginning to realize that there's been a fundamental change in your business because of 10 years of, of, underproduction, and because of new cohorts that won homes, we are now no longer in a cyclical moment for housing. We're in a secular growth mode. First time in my career. And I want to know, how did that happen? Well, I think COVID brought a lot of demand out in the early days when rates dropped to two and three quarters percent. A lot of renters figured out that they could own a home for the same monthly payment. A lot of people realized they were going to be home for work, and they started migrating to places they wanted to live versus where the job had tethered them. And the new home, people wanted new, right? They, 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 they felt a little unsafe, a little unsure. They were nesting, and they really wanted to live in a home that no one had been in before and designed it to their own lifestyle. And it really just started the beginning of bringing back out this 10 years of pent-up demand that we'd been waiting for. And now that COVID is getting close to being behind us, the market is normalizing a bit. We're certainly not as crazy hot as we were a year ago, but we have settled into a really strong, solid, what feels like long-term, as you say, secular housing market. We have low rates that I think are going to stay relatively low. We have 70 million plus millennials that are forming families. We have people that are, you know, as I said, migrating to where they want to live. Very, very tight resale market, very little new home supply. And you put that all together in the long term uh, demographics and the long term prognosis looks really, really good for the industry. All right. So, Doug, I think those things are amazing. It's one of the reasons why I love toll. But, I, you know, I know toll for, uh, I don't know, what, 40 years. And uh, sometimes I think that you get that you got a fabulous price here, average seller price, 945000 70000 compared to the second quarter, 160000 versus last year. But, Doug, you're a common sense person. Are you not afraid at a certain point that toll has to charge too much more than you'd like for the good of toll? 
Well, yeah, we're you're right, Jim. We're up 20 percent in the last year in our pricing. And um, there's no question we have to be careful with affordability. We have we have changed the company quite a bit. We're now 40% of our homes are in a line we call affordable luxury, which is really going after primarily millennial first-time buyers. They're a little bit older. Maybe they can afford a little bit more home. We call it sort of the three-series BMW phenomenon for a Toll Brothers house. So we are you know, very aware of making sure we don't push price too much. But what's really interesting is a lot of the migration right now is from very expensive areas like California and the Northeast, from the Northeast down into the Carolinas, down into Georgia, down into Florida, and from California into Idaho, into Nevada, into Arizona, into, into Austin, Texas. And so those moves from very expensive areas to live to more affordable areas to live make the issue of affordability as prices go up much less acute. And so we are certainly mindful of our pricing. We're going to be careful. Uh, but I think long term, for those reasons, we're going to be in really good shape, particularly as we bring our, bring our prices down, as we expand our footprint, expand the geographies we're in, and focus a little bit more on some lower price offerings. How do you know? How do you anticipate where to buy the land? You're, I mean, one of the unsung things that I read in this quarter was you had the land where people needed it. How did you have the vision for that? Well, you know, we, we've always been very astute land buyers. You know, we talk about Toll Brothers owns land at the corner of Main Street and Main Street and every town that you want to live in. That's what built this company. Coming out of Philadelphia in the Northeast, when Bob Toll started this company, there weren't big land developers there to feed you land. You had to go out and find it. And we're really good at it. And so we have continued to focus on our land position. We are much more capital efficient as we buy our land today, we're really focused on driving return on equity through capital efficient land buying. But we have the best land in the best markets around the country. And I guided today that we're going to have significant community count growth in our fourth quarter, another 10% plus community count growth in 2022, and then plenty of land that we control today to also have significant community count growth in 23. So we are really well positioned to continue to grow this company, even if the market is not as hot as it was in the early days of COVID, and even if the prices don't go up as remarkably high as they have, we are gonna grow because our community count, our land position is so strong that that's gonna help us continue to grow the company. Well, I would be remiss one last question to not uh, ask about this terrific deal with a company I happen to love, Equity Residential, a great partner for you. Where do you envision that going? Yeah, we're really excited about the joint venture we mentioned yesterday uh, with Equity Residential. They are the leading luxury apartment owner and manager in the, co- in the country. You combine that with Toll Brothers, America's luxury home builder. And we're looking to develop apartment communities for EQR. They will buy us out at stabilization, which allows us to turn the investment faster. Our shareholders want to see us turn that investment faster, not hold the apartments long term. This venture allows us to do that. And while we're starting in a half a dozen of the premier markets around the country with EQR, I see this growing to be significant. We're really excited. One last thing. Lumber did collapse. Can anyone else else do that? Are we just going to be stuck in a non-transitory moment of commodities? Lumber sure did help you. you It will help you in the future. 
Yeah, so l- lumber's down $40,000 a home. Jeez. We're going to see the benefit of that in the second half of 22. You know, it got crazy high. We knew it would come back. We've been very happy with how quickly it's come back. I think it's going to stay down. Uh, but there's other cost pressures that we're feeling. So that the tailwind of lumber coming down is very comforting. It's going to help us. It's going to help drive some margin, but I think it's going to also help offset some of the other cost increases that we're feeling. It's taken us a little longer to build these houses. You know, there's real supply chain issues. There's labor issues. It took about two weeks longer in our third quarter to deliver a home. We expect that to continue for a couple of more quarters as we manage through it. We have great relationships with suppliers and with our trades, but there is pressure. So it's been very comforting what's happened to lumber. It's going to be, as I said, a little bit of protection against some other cost creep. And I think in the end, it's going to help drive margin in the second half of 22. Well, I believe it. Look, this is a remarkable quarter. The land and the affordability and luxury, you got it all covered. Doug Yearly, who's the chairman CEO of Toll Brothers. Doug, it's great to see Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Uh, all right. That's mad money at, at its best because this company is a company that a lot of people keep thinking is going to roll over. It's not that Toll Brothers. It never really was as bad as the others, but it is the best. Mad Money's back in print. Coming up. Ready for a little late summer flurry? Kramer chills out with the CEO of Snowflake. Next. How do you know when a high-flying growth stock has grown into its valuation? Consider the case of Snowflake, one I've liked from the very beginning. Cloud-based data analytics company came public a year ago and saw its stock trading at over 100 times sales. Since then, it's been hostage to that Wall Street fashion show we're talking about, even as the company keeps putting up excellent quarters. Snowflake just reported again tonight, delivering a strong quarter, excellent guidance. Stock's now roaring after hours. Can it keep rising? Let's check in with the incredibly bankable Frank Slootman, the chairman and CEO of Snowflake. Hear more about the quarter, what he sees going forward. Mr. Slootman, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to be on with you, Jim. All right, so Frank, I got to tell you, sometimes I have to study and study and read books to understand. But I do know this. When someone's putting up a retention number of that's north of 100, at actually 169%, that means once you're in the door, you're taking, you're just going for the grand slam, aren't you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really a function of us you know, being able to enable the demand uh, that's been literally been bottled up historically uh, because of fixed capacity limits. Uh, you know, shortcomings in architecture and so on. People just couldn't do what they really wanted to do. We're now at a point where it's really your budget and your imagination that are your limitations. Not that those are small items, but it's not the same as, uh, as having hard physical limits that, uh, that would hold people back. Well, I, I do like the fact, and you're, this is a bit of a tutorial where you talk about you enable demand. You don't create it. You allow it to happen. Can you please tell me what you're allowing to happen with Disney and NBC with their own network within Snowflake's data cloud? I must understand that better. Yeah, so in, in media, the, the advertising cloud, uh, as we call it, there's a lot of stuff you know, going on, uh, obviously, there. There's, there's a real dominance by the world gardens, you know, notably, uh, you know, obviously, Google, then Facebook, uh, and then Amazon. Um, and then we have sort of the, the whole cookie files uh, disappearing. Um, but we have you know, new players like Disney, NBC, who have you know, tr- tremendous data, but they need to have the ability to enrich that data, to add attributes to that data, to make it far more weaponized, far more potent for advertising purposes to the point where they can compete with, uh, with the world gardens. 
Now, of course, you know, privacy laws, compliance and so on are really standing in the way to allow that to, to happen and to unfold. And, you know, through our data clean room capabilities, you know, we can really overcome uh, those privacy constraints to allow people to enrich data, to share data without violating, uh, you know, privacy and compliance laws. So that's that's what's driving that. Well, that can apply to public. It can also apply uh, to retail. But you have a used business, uh, healthcare. That's also the same in financial services. They all need that consideration, which leads me to the broader goal that didn't come up as much tonight, but did come up in your recent teaching, your analyst meeting. You have a bold prediction for what you can do by 2029. Frank, you and I, Mark Benioff, we know if you can get $10 billion in revs at that point. That makes you the, the fastest growing enterprise software company in history. What gives you the confidence of being able to do that, seeing that you're only done $500 million so far? Well, that was $500 million in, the, in in the first half, right? So, you know, if you, you extrapolate that. And by the way, you know, we, we, we break that $10 billion down in such a way that our investors can follow along, you know, quarter after quarter, you know, how many customers, you know, how many million-dollar customers we have all the metrics so they can follow along. I mean, one of the great things, you know, about the Snowflake business is, you know, we don't have to do, you know, large acquisitions like so many companies do to build runway in front of their companies. We are in, not just in a very large market. We're in a market that is dynamically unfolding in front of us, right? There's, there's, there's no telling how large this thing will get. And we're, we're just here to enable it to the absolute best of our, our abilities. And you're, you're seeing the effects of that uh, in our reporting. Well, you, you got a, a multi-year contract, a three-year, $1 million deal. Uh, I'm, I'm beginning to think that the deals you have are going to be with every single company of the Fortune 500. So you're going to have a series of million-dollar deals, then $2 million, $3 million. I see how you're going to get it. But I think that people have to understand that it isn't like either or. You are not wrecking someone else's business model when you're doing this, from what I can tell. Well, that, that's true. It, it's not a static uh, equation. Uh, you know, we, we often say, look, it's not very helpful uh, to look at historical market numbers because the market is, is completely different right now. And it is unfolding uh, in real time. It's going to be something very different. It's going to be something orders of magnitude larger. Data is becoming the beating heart of the modern enterprise, the modern uh, institution. Uh, digital transformation, you've heard that, that term you know, thrown around probably once too many times. But that's really what this is, right? We're, we're, this is a massive transformation of how we operate. We no longer you know, rely on anecdotal you know, observation uh, to determine you know, wh- which way is up. We now use data, right? And, and certainly COVID accelerated that because we were so upside down on so many things that data is, is the way that we are really parsing and observing what is going on in our world. Well, let's go over. We happen to like lithium motors. We think that they're an unbelievable company. Nobody's ever heard of second best performing stock in the Fortune 500 in the last decade. And I see the lithium here and I say to myself, OK, lithium is in, in uh, Ashland, Oregon. You're in Bozeman, Montana. How are these deals getting done? Uh, through video conferencing. <laughs> Just, that's it. You can explain your product over Zoom. Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, we, we're not traveling, and we haven't traveled for, for the last year. I mean, we do some, obviously, uh, but our, our main mode is, uh, is, is not in person. It hasn't been in person. And not only have we gotten used to it, customers have gotten used to it. In many ways, we like it because it's so much more efficient. I mean, it used to be we could have two, three meetings a day. Now we can have seven or eight, right? And uh, by the way, customers are more accessible because they know they only have to break out half an hour 
to talk to us. So there's a lot of upside to, to how things are being done these days. Is that why one of the reasons why your gross margins were growing? I mean, 73.6, up 140 basis points. Frank, that is huge. Well, uh, as we explained during uh, during our earnings call uh, just now, there's a number of things that are driving it up. You know, we have a, a smaller storage component to the business. The compute is higher margin. Uh, we're also driving people to the higher SKUs. Larger enterprises are using the higher value SKUs. So there's a number of factors coming together uh, to drive the unit economics to a better place all the time. All right. Well, I want to because I can spend a lot of time the batting 1000 when going down the data cloud path. People should go to the website. Fantastic analysis about Chipotle fix its healthcare situation. But, Frank, just give me some perspective here. ServiceNow, uh, an unbelievable growth company that you put on the same path. And then you got to a certain point. You said, you know what? Now it's time to hand it off. Are you going to be here for the 10 bill? You know, I, I, I get that question uh, from time to time. And my, my answer is always I don't have an expiration date. I mean, at the same time, are you sleeping in a cot again? Are you doing that nonsense? Because this is a company that could grow for a very long time. You're going to be in the cot in the office forever. Well, you, you got to change your MO, uh, you know, when you get up to it, right? It's, it's all about building very strong teams. Uh, if, if, if it was really all up to me, you know, the, this thing would be held up by my own personal limitations. So we, of course, don't want that. So we, we, we focus on talent. We focus on scale. We focus on building the company you know, ahead of the trajectory uh, that we're on. I've got a little smarter over the years. Well, I'm going to focus on telling people to buy the stock because Frank's Luton's got another winner. Frank, it is great to see you. Frank's chairman, CEO of Snowflake. This is the next one. Sloopin's doing it for you. Harness it. Mad Money's back at the break. It is time. It's time for the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead to the lightning round. I'm going to start with Vincent in New Jersey. Vincent! Jim, thanks so much for taking the call, and thank what? you for all you do for our home gamers. Thank First you. time, long time, and a member of the Action Alerts Club Club. Thank you like the call today. We really hit it out of the park. Some say. I don't know. What's going on? Applied materials. I'm very confused by this I love the quarter. Don't be confused. It's viable. That's best with Mike Ron rallying today. I have to tell you, I thought that quarter was excellent. I think the people who were selling the stock actually did not know what they were doing. They're always welcome on the show. Adam in New Jersey. Adam. Booyah, Jim, and greetings from Montclair, New Jersey. There you go. That's what I want to hear. Let's, what's happening? All right. So listen, I'm a long-term investor, and I've been hesitant to invest in cryptocurrencies due to associated risks and volatility. So I have a two-part question for you. Number one. Do you think individual long-term investors should allocate some percentage of their investments to crypto? And number two, do you think investing in the stock Coinbase is a good way to get that exposure and is now a good time to invest in Coinbase? Um, I think Coinbase is inexpensive. I don't really care for management because I think that they have uh, blew out a lot of stock when they started. I was against that. They should have been buyers, not sellers. I think the listing went very, very poorly. I think the company is a repository of uh, the natural repository of crypto. I will also say this, though. I own Ethereum directly. Uh, I think that you should have up to 5% of your portfolio in crypto. I am a believer in crypto, and I am not a Mike Novogratz lookalike. Ken, Illinois, Ken! Hi, Jim. Should I use the pullback and MTCH to add to my position? Yeah, I didn't think the quarter was nearly as bad as the seller said, and I think that the company is really worthwhile. I mean, maybe what we have to do is just revisit it, but I think that everything we said about it and we have liked it for some time. I, I, I reiterate, 
I, I like it very much, but don't forget, I also like Bumble. So you can say perhaps my I I, uh, I am not jaundiced enough about that group. Michael in Florida. Michael. Jim. Hey, my, uh, my stock is Royalty Pharma, RP. You know what? What is that stock doing under 40? I was thinking about doing a segment on that stock because that is so cheap versus what I'm seeing in the actual field. They own a lot of stocks. <laughs> you should buy it. Let's go to Melanie in Maine. Melanie. Hey, Jim. Booyah to you. Booyah. Uh, I'm hoping to ask you about MyTech. Um, they have incredible margins, uh, consistent growth. They're in all the top banks. So I'm just not sure why it's very low volume and has such little analyst coverage. You know, you're absolutely right. The volume is very low. The fact that the company's doing incredibly well matters to me. I think it's a buy. I don't understand why someone hasn't taken the run at that company already. Good call. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, do macro troubles make micrometrics the mightiest? Kramer measures the market in a changing world. Next. All right, let's figure this out. How is it possible that we're a year and a half into the pandemic, yet we're still trying to forecast the future? on the basis of the Fed or the money supply, savings rate of bond yields. That stuff worked in January of 2020 before the world changed. You can extrapolate a decent six-month forecast that would help you figure out whether it's a good time to buy, see the consumer package good stocks like uh, Campbell's Soup or maybe an industrial uh, or how about a rail, right? That's all gone now. These days, we have little visibility into the future. And that's not just because COVID changed everything. It's because the pandemic itself has been insanely unpredictable. We've had four distinct phases so far, and hardly anyone could keep up with this each new tidal wave. Our first phase, the lockdown, the huge government stimulus. Well, we were supposed to stay locked down until we got the virus under control through social distancing and contact tracing. It seems like a long time ago, but we actually thought some states were doing a decent job, and some of them jumped the gun, giving us a partial picture of what the economy might look like once we beat back COVID. During the first phase, we avoided the office and in many cases moved to the suburbs of the country because if you can't go anywhere, you might as well have some room, maybe get a lawn. Meanwhile, we made progress coming up with treatments, uh, though that took a while. And the federal checks helped the people be tided over, giving the essential retailers a big boost, even as the smaller retailers got crushed because they were forced to close. Second phase also took us by surprise, the vaccine phase. Thanks to new technology, we developed multiple vaccines within a matter of months instead of four years, which is what we thought, much sooner than expected. Once we started getting vaccinated, the forecasters quickly got the hang of the reopening trade and made plenty of adjustments on the fly. We calculated how much business would be done as we came back to the central office and started traveling and going out again. We figured jobless benefits would eventually run out. People would return to the workforce, so inflation would settle down. Transitory. That was the great spring reopening trade. Everything was booming. But, as H.L. Mencken once said, nobody ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. So we ended up getting a third wave that nobody I know was counting on. After a few months where it looked like the vaccine rollout was going fabulously, nationwide demand faltered and faltered badly. It was inconceivable to those of us who were clamoring for the shots, including almost every CEO and most policymakers, but tens of millions of people refused to get vaccinated. Talk about throwing out forecasts. Useless. Go back and read what people predicted in April and May. It was just... Ludicrous. We settled into siege mode, where we accepted that some parts of the country with stubborn governors would accept the risk of the virus, while others got vaccinated, went back to work maskless and happy. Now, though, we've got phase four. 
Now, maybe this should have been more predictable given the large numbers of the, of the unvaccinated, but we're in the middle of another huge outbreak. Some people say it's peak, but give me a break. This is thanks to a combination of the ultra-infectious Delta variant and the fact that apparently the vaccines start losing their efficacy after six months, not eight months. Now we've got breakthrough infections all over the place where even the vaccinated get sick, although it's not causing many hospitalizations or deaths, except in places where most people refuse to get their shots. Even when the vaccines lose their efficacy, they still do a very good job of preventing mild COVID from becoming severe COVID, and that's a positive. We're still trying to figure out what the latest outbreak means, but I think it could end up feeling more like phase one where we're stuck at home. So housing sales skyrocket. Home sales are here to stay. Offices are kind of put to the side. And uh, well, there's tons of demand for testing. In this environment, you have to fall back on individual stock picking. The infrastructure package, the previous stimulus can help you find ideas. But what matters is that you can't really glean much from the aggregate data that so many people try to do in our business. Uh, you always, anyway, it's always backward looking. So what's the problem here? Here it is. We're in phase four. We have no idea what phase five will look like. And you're kidding yourself if you think you can come up with a meaningful forecast. That's why you need to find great companies with CEOs who can navigate their way through any of these phases. Okay, they'll be the winners regardless of how all this plays out. But by all means, stop listening to those who say it's all about the Fed. If anything, it's all about the Med. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.